Hey everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. This week, my friends Adam, Kiri, and I, as usual, sit down with one of the co-directors of Luther House of Study, Sarah Stenson. Sarah graduated from Luther College and the University of Minnesota Law School in 1992, where she worked as a corporate attorney for Honeywell and Kmart before becoming a stay-at-home mother of two. Sarah's been with Luther House of Study from its inception, teaching in classrooms, congregations, and working to nurture faith and prepare pastors. In just a moment, I'll read this week's passage, Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. But I wanted to point out, if you want to read the passage while we're talking about it, you can find it in the show notes. It's the passage about the ten lepers Jesus encountered on his way to Jerusalem, where he responds to the one who came back to worship with this much-cited quote, Get up and go on your way, your faith has made you well. We talk about what it means to cry out for mercy in this week's conversation and how Jesus is the one who gives us faith. But before I can say more, here's Luke chapter 17. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And they went, and they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And now, this week's conversation. And welcome back to the pod, Sarah. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So first, as we always do, is give us an overview of what's happening in this passage. Right. So I think in this um, text, Luke 17, 11 to 19, a really common way people are going to hear this text is a prescription. And in other words, they're going to focus on the Samaritan, the Mm -hmm. one leper that comes back to Jesus And they're going to make the Samaritan the the main character, the main actor in the text. And they're going to think, oh, so Jesus is telling us we have to be like the Samaritan. This is how we're supposed to respond to Christ. This is how we're supposed to respond in faith or when we have faith. We have to praise God just like the the Samaritan leper. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that's actually turning this passage into a law of its own. Because it becomes um, basically a uh, Jesus pointing his finger is how people hear it, saying, okay, now if you're a Christian, this is how you're supposed to react or praise God. And it then becomes about us and Mm -hmm. what we're doing and not about Jesus and what Jesus is doing. So the other way, uh, and actually the more um, accurate way of hearing this text is Jesus is actually depicting to us what happens to us when we hear Christ's forgiveness? When we have faith, we will 
praise God, mm-hmm. which is actually the true worship of God. This is what it's going to look like. You're not going to be trying to benefit yourself. You're actually that true worship. The praise will be pulled out of you organically. Mm-hmm. And again, when you're talking about faith, that faith isn't something we can give ourselves in order to accomplish everything you just said. Right, exactly. Just like in this, the faith, well, in the Apostle Paul and Romans, faith comes through hearing. It's exactly the same thing here. It's Jesus speaking that creates the healing or the cleanliness of these lepers. And that's the thing that gives, especially now the Samaritan faith. It's when you hear Jesus speak the word of healing and forgiveness, then you actually have faith. You receive it. You don't manufacture it on your own. Yeah, and that's the the part that I I come back to is the uh, verses 13 and 14. Uh, They called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. And the the part we kind of talked about it before we started recording, but the as they went, they were made clean. So it's Christ saying something uh, and already with his word um, making them clean in that moment. Right. So what's happening in that, that first part of this passage, Adam, is that the law, which is the Levitical code, specifically Leviticus 13 now, required lepers to be separated from the rest of the community because they were considered unclean basically because of the death of the affected body parts. So they're unclean. They have to be separated from everyone else. So they're crying out to Jesus, Master, which, by the way, is only found in Luke. That's the only place you see uh, Jesus identified as Master. It means commander or chief. Hmm. But Master, have mercy on us. Don't be fair to us. That is the definition of mercy. Don't be fair. Don't follow law. Don't treat us as the law requires us to be treated, which is separation from the rest of the community. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then Jesus hears them and he says, go and show yourselves to the priests. That also is required by the Levitical code. This is actually Leviticus 14, that they needed to show themselves to the priest to verify the healing so they could be returned uh, to the community again. But the healing here actually happens in Jesus speaking. As they went, they were made clean. They were made clean by Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so then, of course, the nine go back to the the rabbis, back to the temple to say, hey, look, we're clean. But the Samaritan, who was considered a heretic, actually, by the Jews, deeply disliked by the Jews at that time, it's the Samaritan who turns around and responds in faith in Jesus, in praising God, Jesus. Yeah, and that's kind of an interesting juxtaposition that they ask Jesus, please don't follow the law in healing us. And then Jesus then doesn't follow the law and heals them with his word, but then says, go to the, like, he uses a part of the law to tell them what next to do is go show yourselves to the priests. Right. Right. The nine. So he breaks the law, heals them like <laughs> through his own word, and then but then uses the tells them to right. follow the law again. Exactly. So the nine are following the law, 
Mm-hmm. And I actually even saying, okay, back we go. We're heading well, back. Well, they're, like, they're listening to, to just Jesus. like Jesus said. Yeah. But it's that one response in faith mm-hmm. that's lifted up here by Jesus as saying, um, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. So there's a big distinction in this text between the physical healing, which is what they all, certainly all ten, mm-hmm. receive a physical healing. And the nine lepers only think it's a physical healing. They actually don't experience it as anything greater than or more than that. So they continue to follow the law mm-hmm. and head back to the law to confirm the healing and follow the proper Levitical code. It's that 10th leper, the Samaritan, the heretic, by Jewish understanding. It's that 10th leper who isn't following the law, but is actually responding in freedom of faith. And when Jesus says, your faith has made you well, the Greek word there is sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo. And it's a much deeper meaning than simply a physical healing. So mm-hmm. this text isn't actually about just Jesus doing a miracle and and uh, physically healing 10 lepers and now we have to be like the one and praise god this is actually um <laughs> which is an Greek, easy way to, to hear it absolutely it's a really easy way to hear it because we want to hear it in the law we want to hear all of scripture in the law actually tell us what to do make us the main character just like we want to make that samaritan the main ca- character instead of this is actually jesus um giving faith Mm-hmm. And it's the Samaritan, the one outside of the law, who responds outside of the law to that faith. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so. Yeah, it's so easy to see, try to portray yourself as the Samaritan to be like, okay, when Jesus heals me, I am supposed to turn around and, and give give God his due to give him right his worship, to get the pat on the back saying like, your faith has made you well, yes, by you giving me the, but that's not the case because when you actually worship God, it's a true reaction. It's not like I can make myself feel happy. Exactly. And so true worship, true praise of God is actually pulled out of us as a response to faith, kind of like the good tree bears good fruit in Matthew. Mm -hmm. One of the things that will be pulled out of you when you receive faith, when you hear Jesus' word of promise is it's um, an uncontrolled as you're saying not manufactured word of praise and that word specifically is you're god i'm not i'm the creature you created i am a creature in faith now and the whole your whole life is oriented toward you're god i'm not Mm -hmm. i'm your creature which again places us as the passive character yes in that in this rather than the active character that we think we are. Exactly, which is which is what this text really is saying. Jesus is the actor. No one else there is the actor. They're all passive in this, including the Samaritan who worships or praises God. It's pulled out of him. It wasn't a calculated response for the Samaritan. He wasn't doing this for benefit, which is what would happen to us if we think the text is really about the Samaritan, and now we have to be like the Samaritan, that this is just Jesus telling us how we're supposed to respond or what it means to 
worship. That's not at all the case. Mm-hmm. Can you define Samaritan? Because uh, it's brought been brought. I mean, it's been brought up a, a bit. It's used in the Bible a few times. Yeah, it was. The Samaritans were a group of. Um, they had been Jews, but they weren't. They were kind of had broken off from the main belief system. Deeply disliked, actually, by the Jews at that time. And they were uh, a group of people whose original Jewish heritage had been adulterated or polluted by, in the Jewish understanding through mm-hmm. intermarriage. So they were considered heretics. They were not considered oh, to be... Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were not considered to be in the, uh, the clan or in the group with the Jews. That's really interesting because there's the famous story of the Good Samaritan. And I feel like everyone, when they hear that story, automatically think that the definition of a Samaritan is like good. a giving, generous, good person, <laughs> yeah. not a yeah. heretic. Yeah. No, they were okay. considered they were considered heretics by the Jews at the time this was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, can we can we kind of touch? Just one note on that okay, quickly, go, yeah. Adam. <laughs> one of the really cool things about this text, I think, is the one, probably the. The one time you would see nine Jews and one Samaritan hanging out together is because they were all considered unclean together. Mm -hmm. So that was the unity that brought that group of 10 together. They were all lepers and therefore, according to the Levitical code, unclean outside of the community. But once they were made clean by Jesus, the nine Jews went back to the temple you know, to be um, deemed clean. Mm-hmm. And it was the Samaritan who then turns in faith to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So they're separated again there. Can we kind of talk a little bit, um, or your ex- kind of how you expanded upon your faith has made you well, and how the uh, the nine the nine went back, but the Samaritan, uh, they were healed. The Samaritan understood that there was a bigger uh, healing kind of happening. Um, but maybe if you read this in a prescriptive way, you might think that, um, it, I'm not being healed. Like, I don't feel like I'm being healed right now. So Jesus isn't, uh, hasn't given me his word. Oh, I see. Like people may hear this as a text of, um, if, you've only, if you have faith or if Jesus is for you, then whatever physical ailment you're yeah. experiencing right now will be, um, extinguished physically yeah yeah yeah. taken from you yeah right um i think that's a good point and that does frequently happen and it gets turned into a kind of a faith test if you have enough faith Mm -hmm. then you will not have whatever asthma cancer whatever back pain um (laughs) but i briefly mentioned earlier the greek word there uh, when jesus says get up and go on your way your faith has made you well it's not a physical healing mm-hmm. he's talking about. It's sozo, S-O-Z-O in the Greek. It means to save and used principally uh, in Scripture. It means God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin. Mm-hmm. So that's what the Greek word sozo, which translates fair enough to say your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. But it's actually your faith has saved you. And it's God who has saved you specifically of course this is jesus saying it so yeah it was god who (laughs) saved him fair enough um but one of the other places we see this in luke is luke 7 
um, verse 50. And that story is dealing with the woman who wipes Jesus' feet with her tears and then um, with her hair Mm -hmm. and anoints them with ointment. And that woman also is a known sinner. So in both these cases, there's no question about the um, merit of the person Jesus is talking to when he says, your faith has made you well. Mm -hmm. A known sinner, um, probably in that case, a prostitute or adulteress is generally how that's read. And he says exactly the same thing to her. Your faith has saved you, sozo. So in both those cases, Jesus is not saying there's some sort of a quid pro quo merit system here that their action, either the woman in, in Luke 7.50 or the all lepers, but specifically the Samaritan leper here, had done something to earn Jesus' word of forgiveness. In fact, no one at that time or this would argue that they deserved any benefit, which goes back to the word mercy. Mm-hmm. Jesus is acting outside of the law in giving these people and now us faith salvation saving us from sin death and the devil as luther puts it frequently this is god's mercy not because any of us earned it mm-hmm. or deserve it any more than the the woman in luke 7 or this samaritan leper but jesus is identifying that it is the faith jesus gave them that has saved them or made them well sozo that's the thing that saved them. Nothing they did mm-hmm. or didn't do for that matter had nothing to do with them. It was, again, as Kiri was saying, purely the action of Jesus mm-hmm. in giving them that faith. And that faith then brings them into divine safety is the further understanding of sozo. Brings them forgiveness and gives them peace. Yeah, it's it's interesting how like the only thing that they're saying, actually saying, like quoted in, in this passage is Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In that, they're not even asking to be clean. They're not asking to do that, but all, <laughs> yeah. Jesus does it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> he gives them He gives them faith, exactly. or he cleans them, like without them having to do anything. So it's even verbatim Absolutely. of what they say. They didn't ask for it, yet they got it. Exactly. And the it they got was Jesus acting outside the law, mm-hmm. not being fair, mm-hmm. but a giver, mm-hmm. which is the God we have, Old mm-hmm. Testament and New We have a God who gives us unconditionally mercy, forgiveness, Mm -hmm. salvation when we hear that word of promise, when we're baptized, when we receive the Lord's Supper, when we hear that promise of you are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ, that is God's mercy, the giver. Mm -hmm. So going back to actually, I want to touch on what Adam the point Adam brought up just a few minutes ago. So about faith, um, and there's a there's a lot of people, um, and I know I have even done this before, where, it, but if we have enough faith, and because you, you're saying, you know, it's not about us, da-da-da-da, but if we have that faith, then how do, like, then we can just trust God to provide for us. So where is, that line then of like I have faith that God's going to provide for me I have faith that God's going to do this for me why do I need to like why do I need to fill my car tires with air 
if I have faith that God's going to protect me and take care of me now that I have faith? Um, there's a couple things going on with that question, Carrie. <laughs> there's a lot going <laughs> there on with that question, going on. Um, For the first thing that popped in my head as you were talking is uh, Luther's Freedom of a Christian, mm-hmm. where he has this seemingly contradictory thesis for, for this um, paper he writes, that he says, a Christian is a perfectly free Lord, subject to none, and perfectly dutiful servant, subject to all. So when we're talking about the freedom of faith and forgiveness, that's the perfectly free Lord. That's perfect freedom. However, the freedom is not to um, do what you want because you want. It's not to go after every desire you have and make life about me, myself, and I because what the heck, I'm forgiven, no problem. (laughs) The freedom is actually to pour yourself out for the neighbor. So that means... You, you check the, the error in your tires in order to make sure you don't have an accident because there are people in this world who need you to serve them, to pour yourself out for them. Your work here isn't done yet. That's why you get an education and go to college. It's why you have a job. It's why um, you're a parent, not for your own benefit, but to pour yourself out for the sake of your children. So the freedom of faith is not um it's not to make life all about how do i make myself happier Mm -hmm. or even how do i make myself better it's actually about what do my neighbors need from me Mm -hmm. and neighbor is defined narrowly and very very broadly but that's the i mean that's the common i guess just american thought is that freedom is defined by not having things bind you or not having any obligations. That's what life, liberty, the in pursuit of happiness. Yeah. In Greek eudaimonia, this is not the the freedom of a Christian. No. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the opposite. Mm-hmm. I'm also not saying though that that scripture is saying or that Luther was picking up on, so now you have to wear a hair shirt like happened in the you know, that you have to make yourself miserable and um show how many sacrifices you're making. You don't. You actually don't have to worry about um, what is good or not good or what should I do or not do. Mm -hmm. You actually have two ears as a Christian. One is always listening to Jesus. You're mine, forgiven, child of God, marked with the cross of Christ forever. The other is to hear your neighbors. What do they need from me? Knowing you have a lot of neighbors and you're never going to make a decision. You serve this neighbor today, you're forsaking all those other neighbors. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, this is what I'm going to do, so deal with it, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Forgive me. I was going to say the other is you listen to your wife. but That's <laughs> your right now. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> yeah, so we have two newly married young gentlemen who that is their big neighbor right now. Is your wife. Neighbor. Big neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, that that is the the freedom that we have is that you are able to find peace from that promise from Jesus that you are mine, but Forever. while also feel the the peace to go and serve your neighbor Absolutely. without feeling the obligation to Knowing that preserve not yourself get or done. In, in, yeah. increase your own. And you almost, it's almost like you don't even, you ne- don't necessarily have to take a pulse on yourself in that Christ is saying, 
uh, I've given you this, you're mine, and you can, like you said, freely give yourself to other people because Christ is sustaining you. Which is what Jesus says here in the very last verse, 19. Get up and go on your way. Yeah. Go back to your community. Go back to your friends and family. Take up your vocations. Mm-hmm. Your faith has sozo, mm-hmm. saved you. Yeah. You're free. Yeah. Peace. And with that, we've come to the end of the episode. Thank you to Sarah Stanson for walking us through this passage. And a big thank you to all of you for tuning in to listen. I want to encourage you to visit Luther House of Studies website this week to check out all the other great resources they're producing and to sign up for their email newsletter at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Also, the best way you can support the show is sharing it with a friend or family member. This week's been fun. And we'll see you next time on Scripture First. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen.